Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. We just did a National Signing Day episode. Be sure to check that out if you want your recruiting fix. Basketball, we think we're going to have to table it another day. We were going to do a basketball one today. Uh, I think it'll come out Thursday night instead. But there was some big news. And it's not necessarily related to Michigan, but it is indirectly related to Michigan. Mark D'Antonio, after, what, 12 seasons, 12 or 13 seasons with Michigan State, has stepped down. He was Michigan State's all-time leader in wins. He won three Big Ten titles. He made it to a college football playoff, one of just 11 teams to do so, so far. And he was he retired. And, and so, Steve... I don't think anyone was surprised. Like, I think if you'd asked someone three days ago, do you think D'Antonio will be done within the next 12 months? I, I, I think most people would have said yes. I mean, his days were clearly numbered. He was 63. Clearly, whatever was working in the early part of the decade was gone. Uh, they, they weren't beating Ohio State. They weren't beating Penn State. They weren't beating Michigan State. This year, they weren't really close to any of the three. And they went 7-6. and six. Um just did not. I mean, they're losing the their quarterback, uh, probably around twelve to thirteen starters. It just it and had a tough schedule coming. It just didn't really look like they were going to be able to. No one, no one was expecting them to win nine games in any of the next three seasons. And so, and D'Antonio must not have been either. You know, and there, there's there's discussion. I mean, Curtis Blackwell's team accused him of a couple NCAA violations. Uh, just yesterday, the day he retired, and then you know some of some of the scandal stuff was still following him. You know Austin Robertson. Uh, there's rumors that there was more to that story that was going to come out. So that kind of makes the timing interesting too. I I don't want to speak out of turn, so I'll just say it, it raises questions about the timing of his departure. Uh, and then of course they they couldn't recruit Detroit anymore. And while D'Antonio was never they never put together an amazing recruiting class. They were able to get people from Detroit every once in a while that, that turned into future pros or really helped them. So it's kind of interesting. We'll talk about this a little bit more in just a moment, how the state of Michigan State. But first, your reaction, I it sounds like you're kind of in the same boat as me. You assumed it was going to come at some point. Day before signing day, 10 days after he got his bonus – didn't necessarily seem like the time. So uh, surprise took you by surprise, I assume. Only the ex- only like the the exact timing. I don't you know signing the day before signing day doesn't mean what it used to with the two signing days. If this had been the, the optics might have been worse if this had been the day before the December one, right? But even then, though, still. You know, there is like a finality to it, and they still had a few verbals that they were looking to sign and, and get locked up. I know one of their top one, Jordan Simmons running back, is I believe is at least delaying things. Uh, I don't believe he's decommitted, but he seems to be on the fence about what he's going to do. So, you know, I mean, yeah, you kind of put, you, with, I don't know, with that in mind, you kind of wonder, you know, if there is going to be more that's going to come out. He could have waited a couple weeks. You know, and and sat all of their commitment, not sat all of them because a lot of them won't get to campus, I assume, until June or July or whatever. But you know what I mean? Done done more of a – because it sounds like it kind of caught them, their people, by surprise, the timing of it. You know, which, again, leads me to believe that, you know, yeah, maybe there's a little more 
going on than there was. But I mean, what a <clears throat> kind of a precipitous fall, you know, in the last two to three years. I mean, uh, he'll end two and three against Harbaugh. And really, you could argue Michigan gave both of the wins completely away. Uh, you know, it was not the same as it was yeah. under uh, Hoke and Rodriguez, where Michigan State was beating the crap out of Michigan up front on both sides of the ball in basically just in, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, instilling their will upon them. You know, it was, it was a totally, the, the rivalry totally changed after Harbaugh's hiring. You know, I, I think I'd said before where it really changed, you know, you look at, and it's, it always comes down to recruiting and you look at their 16 class, which turned out to be what I would argue, one of the biggest duds in recruiting history, not just, Michigan State recruiting history, but recruiting history. I mean, I want to say like two thirds of that class was out within two years, and it was their best, it was their highest ranked class I think they had ever had. And I think I'd made the argument before that with Harbaugh coming in, I think Michigan State went a little bit out of their comfort zone and how they approached things on the recruiting trail and maybe went for higher caliber prospects that weren't that quote fit that they had built the foundation of their program on mm-hmm. and it kind of burned, they got burned big time. And so, you know, yeah, it's fascinating. I think it's, and we talked a little bit before the show, I think recruiting wise for Michigan, especially uh, this is a negative right now. Cause I, I think yeah. they're not really Michigan state has not really been a factor. You look at 2020 and 2021, uh, the 2021 class, very, very strong in-state. I, I don't know, outside of maybe Andrell Anthony, the receiver who's literally from East Lansing, I, I don't know if state is any kind of factor for any of the other elite guys in state that Michigan is really recruiting. You know, So there will be that new car smell with whoever else they bring on that, that may be able to make more of an impact with a few guys that Michigan is you know, maybe looks good for or is, is going strong after right now. So, yeah, fascinating stuff. Kind of weird to think he's gone. You know, he's been such a mainstay in the rivalry for so long and has been such a thorn in Michigan's side, you know, to his credit. And so I, I think for him to just, for sort of this all of that unceremoniously kind of just happen, I think is just a, an end to what became a very fascinating arc and then fall, you know, within <laughs> all within, like what we say before, was it four years ago they were in the playoffs? Four or five, yeah. <laughs> you know? And like now they're, now you could argue they're, it's an unattractive coaching job, or, or at least it's it's not a, you're not going to walk in and win nine or ten games. I'd be shocked if anybody could do that with the roster they have right now. So, you know, fascinating stuff. It, it is. I mean, and and you bring up a good point. It's been so long. He went eight and five against Michigan, by the way. The last time Michigan State had a different head coach, I was, I was in sixth grade. So it's been uh it's been a minute, you know. And so it's um, so there's that component, and then I think this is really interesting. How quickly, in. I understand that we cover Michigan. I I don't mean this as some sort of pile on or unnecessary swipe. It is very stunning how quickly the program faded 
from a perennial, maybe not top 15 job, but top 25 for sure, to suddenly, I mean, if you're Pitt, I think I, think I tweeted this out yesterday, guys like P.J. Fleck, he's probably looking at this job and saying, no, I'm good at Minnesota. And Narduzzi, I'm curious to see. I mean, he he has Michigan State ties. Uh, D'Antonio staying around the school in some capacity might might be enticing. But Pitt has a faster path to a New Year's Six Bowl than than Michigan State because all they have to do really is be the best team in their pretty crummy division. <laughs> you know, they just got to be they got to be better than UVA and Virginia Tech, and they're going to the Orange Bowl. So it's. Um, yeah, and, and Matt Campbell at Iowa State. I think a couple of years ago you would have said, oh, yeah, he'd, he'd probably gladly take Michigan State over Iowa State. But suddenly that's not really the case. And and so, um, you know, we, we did the ranking over at Inside the Huddle and WTK of the top Power 5 jobs. And obviously there's there's 15 that I think – well, there's probably more than 15. But there we had we had tiers. We don't need to break them all down, but – Based on recruiting geography, based on current success, based on financial investment from the fans and boosters, uh, Michigan came in uh, 14th as far as best jobs. But we we broke it down, and we were looking at schools like Oklahoma State, TCU, Virginia, South Carolina, Arizona State, Cal, Texas Tech. You, you can make the case they're all better jobs than Michigan State. So we actually broke down every school – and we put Michigan at 47, Michigan State, excuse me, at 47th best Power Five job in the country. And that is tough. I mean, that is just, that's brutal. I mean, that, and that, that says, I think someone has made the, I'm sure multiple people have. Is Michigan State in, in worse shape right now than they were when D'Antonio arrived? For as, for as bad as Michigan State was when they arrived, D'Antonio, and this isn't all on him. I mean, they they had they did have some really bad fortune or bad luck, but and and you know there were, you can argue who where the finger should be pointed all all day and all night, but they're a distant fourth in their own division with three teams that are regularly top fifteen programs right now: Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and and none of them really look like they're going to fade. You know, Michigan was at the end of the Lloyd Carr era when D'Antonio arrived. I'm not sure. I'm sure Penn State was in a similar boat where obviously they didn't know everything that was about to go down. But, you know, Joe Paterno was probably on his last legs. Um, and D'Antonio probably got lucky that Michigan went missed on two coaching hires and then Penn State had their scandal. Probably helped them, you know, elevate toward the top top bunch in the Big Ten but I mean you look at schools like Wisconsin and Nebraska I mean Michigan State just isn't that appealing of a job so you know I know there's pretty strong rumors out there that Luke Fickle he makes a lot of sense he would be a home run hire for them uh you know seems seems like there's some legs and there's some mutual interest certainly certainly as you said I I think that'd be an upgrade over D'Antonio and and I think it'd be enough of a fresh start that they could recruit optimism. Even if they can't recruit results right away, they could recruit like, hey, I did this at Cincinnati. Hey, I've been a part of championship teams at Ohio State. Hey, you know, there's there's enough that they could sell that it would hurt or that it would help Michigan State on the recruiting trail. But it is just 
I don't know. It, it boggles the mind almost that that Michigan State had a playoff appearance, a third Big Ten title in what four years, five years, five years, and then the next year they went three and nine, and they they have had one season where they were above five hundred Big Ten play since. I don't know. I I struggle to make sense of it. I mean, you mentioned the twenty sixteen recruiting class, but it's just crazy how a team. I mean, you know, only 11 teams have made the playoff. And out of the 11 teams, I think only Florida State has had anything similar to what Michigan State has had. You know, teams will have down years, but even Oregon and Notre Dame, who had down years, they they bounced right back. Georgia bounced right back. Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, they've been in, in Ohio State, they've been in it just about every year. Washington didn't really fade. I don't know, it's just crazy. Crazy. Like, if you had said, what, January 2015 or January 2016, hey, over the next four years, Michigan State will be below 500 in Big Ten play and just a few games over 500 overall. Like, nobody would have believed you. I don't know. Just That's just my thought on it. Is like, how how did it fade so fast? And I, and, and to that end, I guess you get why Antonio initially kind of wanted to slink away. He didn't want to do a press conference. He just wanted to do the statement and be gone. But obviously the fan uproar for just disappearing like that wasn't wasn't going to fly. All right. But man, what a what a fall. Not in and, worse shape than they were when he got there though. I have to go back. I went back and looked. Their last okay. season, their last season under John L. Smith, they were 4 and 8 and 1 and 7 in the Big 10. And this was a string of poor seasons under you because know, I remember under mm-hmm. Bobby Williams they did have a few pretty good seasons. I think they went to the Orange Bowl under Bobby Williams at one point. You know, and they, they had a few good seasons in there, but with John L. Smith they were not good. Uh D'Antonio came in in his first season, they went seven and five. All five of those losses were by less than a touchdown, including their loss to and I think he ended up 0 and one versus Lloyd Carr. Uh, you know, Michigan beat beat them in that season. So not in worse but but not the gap, I guess, in shape <laughs> that you would have expected. Because this is this is kind of a prolonged like like struggle for them. You know, it's different than this isn't like they just had one bad season this year. You know, in two and was it sixteen they went three and nine? Yep. You know, and then I think they had a rebound year in seventeen and then struggled in eighteen and obviously last year. You know, this is like three of the last four years have been massive disappointments. They went so thirty-three and five. Sorry to interrupt. They went thirty-three no, and good. five in 2013, 14, and fifteen. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And then since then, they're, they're like three games above 500. 33 and 5 to this. It's crazy. They hit. They, they stopped hitting on their quarterback recruits. And they weren't. They also the the no fly zone deal disappeared. 
You know, because they 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 still would always they still I feel like they sustained a what was usually a stout front seven defensively. Yeah, I think they were that's churning, true. but they were churning out pros in the defensive backfield for a while there too, and I think that was always what put them over the top because they, like I said, they always you kind of always count on D'Antonio having good linebacker play, good defensive line play, but they were getting elite defensive back play for a while there. That went away. They stopped hitting, like I said, at quarterback. Really, you know, and then I think the other driver, too, for the last few years for them was not just poor offensive line play, but they were bit by the injury bug quite a bit, if we're being honest, mm-hmm. up, front, up front offensively especially. You know, it was a spot where they were they were in rough shape, especially the last two seasons up front. You know, and Michigan fans would know, you know, looking back at Rodriguez, Hoke era, like, you know, a bad offensive line can really make your entire team look way, way worse. And so, you know, that, you know, and a lot of those like breaks that it always kind of felt like they would catch or those, those like big game, you know, heroics would kind of start to go the other way. You know, I think about how the Arizona state game ended for him this year. Uh, you know, that feels like that was always the type of thing that kind of seemed to go their way to their, again, to their credit. I'm not saying it was like, that was a lucky deal, but you know what I mean? Like just some of those like deals that, well, the way they beat Michigan in the infamous game, you know, it was like that they'd always seem to capitalize on those like funky opportunities. Um, and those kind of started to go away. And I mean, yeah, but I, I would, so going back, I would argue they're definitely in they're better shape than they were when he got there, but that doesn't mean they're in good shape. Because they were in really, really bad shape when yeah, he that's took fair. over. I mean, that that's I didn't it, I didn't, I forgot how bad it was. I mean, one and seven in Big Ten play is is really, really bad. You know, when he beat Michigan in 08 at the Big House, it was the first time Michigan State had beaten Michigan in Ann Arbor since 1990. Hmm. You know, that's kind of that's the shape that they were in before he got there. You know, and so he kind of flipped that script a little bit, or maybe a lot. I wouldn't say a little bit. You know, but again, the 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 struggle to where they've gotten to now over the last three to the last four years. Yeah. I mean, not a job that, like you said, we would be putting it lumping in with those other schools you mentioned after that run they had, we, we did not think we'd be here in that capacity. So right. uh, with fickle. Yeah. Possibly you know, if that happens, it would definitely maybe uh, reopen some of that, some of those Ohio recruiting pipelines that they had effectively kind of, they were really good at getting guys in Ohio that Ohio State didn't want, and they would seem to pick, they'd pick a lot of the right ones. But I know Kentucky has been a big thorn in their side the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Cincinnati now under. I was going to say, ironically, that. Cincinnati's winning some of those battles. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, he'd be a good hire for them in that regard. If that's, and I think they're never, and this is this is proof now that they had such a run under D'Antonio. They were still never going to be like a national recruiting power if they're gonna win it's gonna be through strong in-state like do they have to do well in-state they have to pick the right guys in ohio and then they have to they have to have great evaluations outside of ohio as well i mean that they basically have to follow the model that d'antonio won with is i just don't ever foresee them being like a top 10 top 8 recruiting type program you know and so mm-hmm. that's with anybody they hire uh in my opinion so yeah, do you think so? Fickle, I looked it up. He's done more at Cincinnati than D'Antonio did. I didn't realize D'Antonio actually his best 
season was seven and five at Cincinnati, and he didn't coach the bowl game. Brian Kelly did. Um, now, perhaps I, I I didn't I don't didn't follow his tenure closely. Perhaps there was more to it than that. But do you think Fickle could could provide an uptick in potential? I mean, you're right; they're never going to recruit geographically and and historic and just by tradition and, and history. They're never going to recruit at a top fifteen level. Uh, at least I can't I can't envision it. You know, maybe they could, but I, I don't I don't see it happening. But do you think Fickle could maybe provide an uptick because he's already kind of a well known name? He can sell. He was a part of championships at Ohio State. He can, you know, not just to Ohio people, but but around the country. He I'm sure he wasn't only recruiting the Midwest for Ohio State. And then obviously Cincinnati, you know, two eleven win seasons there is is notable. I, I I guess do you? That seems like the favorite to to land the job. Do you? Do you feel like there could be an uptick? And 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 another question for you is, and this is more pertaining to Michigan. Is the, they they're going to lose twelve starters? It sounds like they're going to actually have a decent amount on the offensive line. Some of the skill position players that will be around, you know, Elijah Collins is is an exciting player. I guess, what do you see from Michigan State next year? Michigan has to go play at their place. I guess if, suppose it's fickle, what does that mean? Can can that be an uptick? Can that be maybe even the next level ahead of D'Antonio? Or no? And then also, what, what does Michigan State look like for this next season? Like I, I do think there'd be some uptick. I mean, they they didn't sign one four star prospect. That's that again. Go How back do you to do the, that. I mean, for again, that's what I'm saying is like for a, a a program that was in such good shape just three years ago. That's it's crazy. They didn't even get like a local guy who grew up MSU a Michigan fan, State fan. You know, yeah. like that to, to you know a four star caliber to sign um i've always respected their evaluations i mean that's where that's what got them where they got was they were always so good i always liked like between uh, with our rating system like they'd always sign like five or six guys 84 to like 88 who i always thought were criminally underrated you know and those mm-hmm. that's how they really whether they built their program with so is michigan yeah. finding them first or what's what's the what's the difference because that that no. doesn't sound like something you need to win a lot of games to do no i i I don't know, you know, because like I know they, Iowa's they, doing better. In yes, this, in, yeah, yes, Minnesota, you know, because Fleck. I don't know how they've done in Michigan, but Fleck, you know, very familiar with that general region coming out of Western Michigan, you know, has probably been a little bit of a thorn in their side too. There's just yeah, some of those middle mid range like programs have hired new fresh faces. I think has, has and have made it difficult again. Kentucky being the one I think of the most as just being a big problem for Michigan State in Ohio. I think that was like I said, an area where Michigan State really built the bulk of their program was in Ohio, and Kentucky more than anybody has really kind of put a cramp in a lot of guys. I think they normally would have signed, you know. But the you got the SEC idea. You know, they're very good at pitching, playing in the SEC, that type of deal. So, but no, with with Fickle, Fickle coming from Ohio State, understands how important recruiting is, and he's also young, energetic, which is not what D'Antonio is, you know, I think would kind of inject some new life 
into that program. And I think, yeah, I think you'd see, again, it's almost hard for there not to be some kind of uptick uh, in the recruiting side of things, at least initially. Like I said, you combine the new car smell with his experience at Cincinnati and his experience at Ohio State. He's you know, he's a younger guy, I think would, would bode well for them as far as either get them back into some races that they're not in or put them in some races that they weren't going to be in under D'Antonio. You know, again, probably with some Ohio kids, maybe guys just in the general Midwest region. You know, as far as next year goes, I mean, you know, Cody White left, which I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's going to get drafted. Maybe he will. I, I don't know. But that was, a you know, right. another guy, another guy that just kind of said, see ya. Uh, yeah, Collins is a very Collins is like the closest player I can think of on their roster to like a classic Michigan State guy, like an un, unheralded, under-recruited guy that they found late in the process who turned out to be a stud. Does Antoine you know, Simmons count as as one of those? Uh, was he was he, he properly was pretty, rated? He was pretty high. I mean, you know, Michigan. I don't think Michigan was serious about that one after as the way things turned out. I don't think I think Michigan had kind of backed off there yeah he's turned into a good player though I mean he I guess he would sort of fit but you look at their class so you look at Michigan State's class this cycle I don't know if I've talked about this before but their class this cycle almost 50 percent of it is it's literally made up of guys that Michigan offered really early in the process and then never really ended up recruiting that hard to the point where like I would not be surprised if that was like half of the Michigan State's pitch to these kids was, you know, Michigan disrespect, you know, because you take a guy like, uh, I'm trying to think who's, there's a couple of them, uh, Cal Halliday, linebacker, who played at, um, uh, played at the same school as Julian Fleming, the five-star Okay. Uh, Ohio State. Yeah, Southern Columbia in Pennsylvania. You know, a guy that, or Devin Hightower, Michigan offered early, never was really serious with. Uh, Ian Stewart, in-state guy, same deal. Um, Jordan Simmons, a little bit. Dallas Fincher, I think he's a legacy, though. But you get my point, is so it's almost like they were more enamored with taking guys that hate, it, hate Michigan, or would that would be <laughs> easy to hate Michigan, because Michigan offered them really early and then just stopped recruiting them. There's just too many of them in the class for me not to think that that wasn't some kind of, like, factor or whatever mm-hmm. um so i don't know i but but next year to me what are they gonna do at quarterback yeah lewerke was playing at such a i, I think it's I, maybe the off the problems were more offensive line based than we realized i just got done talking about how that can really make everything else look a lot worse than it really is my thing is you know it was rocky lombardi Never has really been impressive when he's been in there. From I don't think any of those three that are on their depth chart. I don't think well, any of them can do it. Well, and that's what I've. That's what my that my thing is. I would assume whoever the new coach is, one of the first things you're going to want to do is go to the transfer portal and try to find a new quarterback. Because that's my. That was what I was going to say. Is if Theo Day hadn't passed Rocky Lombardi at this point, then what do you what do you think you're going to get out of him? Because if you mm-hmm. haven't passed him in your third year. Or second, I don't know. It's a second year. Either way, you know, because we don't think there'd been a peep out of Theo Day, who I thought was decent. Was like again, one of those guys you thought you thought when they got him, you're like, eh, I could see this guy being another 
like they hit, you know, like they did on Connor Cook, who was not like a highly recruited guy, or even Cousins when they got him. You know, not like national level quarterback recruit, but like a guy who had some tools, you think, eh, I could see this guy turning into something. They usually know what they're doing there. But that's what I think it's going to come down to for them. But they lose pretty much everybody up front, too, don't they? I mean, yeah, they Panasic, lose. Panasic, yeah. uh, Raekwon Williams, I think, is out. And then Willikus. Yeah. Willikus, Bocce. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, he was gone already, but still, I mean, you know, it's not, he, he won't be able to return uh, from that. So they lose yeah. both their corners and a starting safety. Yeah, that defense is going to be. Yeah, uh, man, it's it's they. That's what I mean. Like they have their work cut out for them. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the roster is not in good shape at all right now. So yeah. the best case scenario for them would be Fickle, and he can and he finds a way to bring a bunch of because he actually had three four star signees, including Evan Prater, a dual threat quarterback from Cincinnati, who twenty four seven has the top fifty recruit. So if he if they could get him, if they could get Fickle, and then he could bring a few of his recruits. Or hit the transfer portal hard. I mean, Jaron Williams from Miami, uh, Peyton Ramsey from Indiana, two guys with starting experience in the Power Five who pr- probably wouldn't hate. I mean, I think Michigan State plays Miami, so they might they might actually Williams might actually jump at that chance. But um, yeah, it'll be. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Cincinnati. I mean, Evan Prater's a guy, right? Since who our people are very. Yeah, they have him in the top fifty, right? Yeah, he's a top one hundred prospect. So that would be interesting, you know, but that's, again, that's that, you know, that's where the difference is. Cincinnati has a better recruiting class than Michigan state. How is that even possible? I don't care if fickle has done a great right. job there or not. Like that just does not even sound right when you cut, when you talk about it, you know? Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he is, ends up being the guy, if they, how many of these guys he can get to come over with him. They'd all have to be released which would be a huge – that's why the timing – again. that's one area where the timing is just so bad. It's going to create – like it would potentially create such a massive headache for the, the domino effect of something like that. You know, you bring in a new coach and they try to bring their guys over from their old program. Well, then whoever Cincinnati brings in has got to bring – may probably bring in guys from their program. You know what I mean? Like it just right. turns into this like just awful mess – you know, and that's where the timing aspect of it is far from optimal for really any party involved, whether it's MSU, who they try to get to replace him, like any of that stuff. I mean, because I feel like right now, with the process being over, a lot of coaches are like done with this cycle. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like it's like you get a chance to breathe. So, I don't know. Well, no matter what happens, it will be interesting. We'll obviously talk about it. We might not we might not devote a whole podcast to a new Michigan State hire, but it but it is it is notable. It's it's important stuff. It's relevant to Michigan, so uh, we'll continue to talk about it. But for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine twenty four seven podcast. We're not gonna write much about D'Antonio, but check out all of our stories about Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting over at the MichiganInsider.com and Michigan.247sports.com. I hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. Look out for the basketball episode tomorrow. Check out the recruiting episode if you haven't. And we'll see you next time.